Wade into Wealth, taking one of life's most intimidating topics, money, your financial well-being, and providing simple, easy-to-understand ways to be more comfortable with your own financial health. This is Wade into Wealth, brought to you by the Wade Group at Brighton Securities. Good day to you, wherever you're joining us from today. We certainly appreciate it. We just crossed the threshold of Wade into Wealth listeners that are now in over 26 states in the United States. We have saturated ourselves into over half the country um, and several countries around the world, mm-hmm. I should say. Germany, Australia, Sweden, the Philippines. Australia. Uh, we've got a good following in Australia. Mexico. We do. So whoever's listening in Australia, we, we appreciate, appreciate you. Uh, we see the consistency in which you are consuming our content. Um, also hello to new listeners in Tennessee, uh, North Carolina and various other places around the country. So this is Wade into wealth and I'm Chuck Wade. My brother Ethan's here as well. And we are partners and senior vice presidents at Brighton securities in Rochester, New York. And today we're going to talk about something that has long been one of the pillars of investing and retirement income, and that's the 4% rule. Yes, not much of a concern for someone who is not retired or contributing to their 401k now, but typically more of a thought process mm-hmm. and a question that we get from a lot of clients who are uh, very much in tune with reading articles about finance. Yep. Uh, and either planning for or are in retirement to understand and alleviate the concern of, I don't want to run out of money. Yeah. Something you're very good at is, and you must be good at it for me to give you a compliment on it, <laughs> is, be, yeah. I think... I'm, it, I'm waiting on pins and needles for what, what this is. <laughs> <laughs> is explaining things and making them easy and simple to understand. So before we go further, what is the 4% rule? The 4% rule is just a concept that really is is at this point a little, I would say, old and perhaps... Outdated. Outdated. Yeah. Um, as the market has changed. But the concept is simple in that if you take out 4% of your overall portfolio, your account value. So right. if you have a $100,000 account, if you take out $4,000 per year, 4%, theoretically, you should be able to retire fine on that and not have to worry about running out of money. The concept is if you have a dollar invested mm-hmm. and your investments are able to generate four pennies a year in income, dividends and interest, Seems easy, right? Just four pennies. Right. If you need the four pennies and you only take out those four pennies, you never have to break your dollar for those distributions. Right. The theory behind it is that if you keep your dollar intact, you don't have to worry about running out of money. Right. But where we mentioned that it may be perhaps a little outdated is with how low interest rates are now that generating 4% in dividends and interest is a feat that may have you taking more risk than, mm-hmm. than you may, may be comfortable with. Right. Yeah. Now. So let's start first again, before we get into kind of the nitty or nitty gritty or what other strategies we're using or can be used is how do we get, how would we get to 4% when we're talking about being able to earn interest through dividends or interest, what we'd call cash flow from your investments. 
How do we do that? There's a couple of different ways. One is, and this is one that traditionally folks uh, who are a little older or, or retired are probably familiar with, is the idea of bonds. A, a conservative a conservative investment. investment is would be corporate bonds. There are municipal bonds that pay income that's tax free, but treasury bonds that are yeah. backed by the U.S. government. So bonds are likely to be, to be your most conservative type of investment. And there was a period not too long ago where you would someone would come in, they're retiring, they've got a, a chunk of money, and we would look at a percentage of that 40 percent of someone's account, maybe fifty, maybe higher going to bonds right and it was not unreasonable that even three four five years ago we could get an average return of about four to per of about four percent with corporate bonds yes that's changed but it has so so bonds are one two would be stock or what we we call them companies Yep. Because of the idea that if you're going to generate income or earn dividends from these companies, you are owning them for a period of time. Yep. And by calling them and referring to them as companies, we automatically begin to think more of owning them for a period of time, not something we're, we're acquiring to then sell at a profit sure. at a later date. Um, and, and a lot of companies will pay dividends. Yep. Um, Utility companies tend to pay ones that are a little higher, but uh, things like Procter and Gamble or Johnson and Johnson or um, you know have have been increasing their dividends for years and years. More mature businesses tend to pay more mature and more consistent businesses mm -hmm. tend to pay higher dividends because of the consistency and stability behind the sales and, and revenue yeah. that, that they generate. So let, let's also use another analogy real quick to kind of paint the picture and focus on on what we're talking about because. There's something that's called a total return, meaning how much money did you make? And there's two components to it. One component is growth. The other component is really what we're focusing on today and what we're talking about, which is interest, dividend and interest from bonds or income cash flow, is, as you had alluded to just a couple seconds ago. Uh, so if we use an analogy, let's say we buy a $100,000 rental property mm -hmm. and we're, we want to become landlords, and we're going to rent it out to, to some tenants. And for the sake of easy math, they're going to pay us $3,000 a year right. in rent. So $100,000 investment, $3,000 a year in rent. And let's say after five years, you, you run the typical course of what a landlord finds out, which is at best you give yourself a part-time job. <laughs> Right. At best. You don't want to do it anymore. And you want to sell the property. And and perhaps values of uh, of homes and, and real estate in the area have gone up. You originally purchased it for 100000 Today, you can sell it for 110000 five years later. So you made $10,000 worth of growth. Yep. But you also received $3,000 worth of rent for five years, which you're good at math. 3000 for five years is? 15000 So you got 15000 being sarcastic, 000. by the way. No, but you are Math in my head, I'm it. not good at <laughs> uh, $15,000 of rent plus the $10,000 of appreciation, your total return was $25,000. What we're talking about when we talk about dividends and interest and income and cash flow is the rent part of that analogy. Right. Which now... Rent has been going down. Interest rates have yeah. been coming down. And, and so that's what brings us to where we are today, is that interest rates remain at or near historic lows. Right. I looked yesterday that, you know, the 10-year 
government treasury bond, which is the measuring stick for interest rates, I think was at 1.45%. So for you, you give the government $10,000, they're going to give you 1.45% right. interest on that. That's what you're going to make. And so... That's pretty low for 10 years, a, a decade. Right. Talking about decades worth yeah. of time, 1.45%. And so based on that being the bellwether for other interest rates, right now you, you look at, I, I see you looking at bonds, at corporate bonds, which are typically your highest yielding bonds. Yep. I see you, you look at them. What are you seeing for a typical five, six, seven year bond, which is about as far as we would look to invest someone's money in corporate bonds right now as a return. So there's two types of bonds that we really like to pay attention to, which it's a really simple explanation. One type is called investment grade. Mm -hmm. The other type are called junk bonds. We probably don't need to spend too much time talking about why we don't want to own junk bonds. Junk bonds carry much more risk uh, with them. They're, they don't tend to be high, high quality companies. So in terms of investment grade bonds, looking five, six, seven years down, you're still looking at less than 2%. Right. Uh, right now, if you want to get 2%, you probably have to look closer to 10 years. Which is a long time to then it is. be tying money up. Look at it from now. That means you're buying this today. That bond would be maturing. 2031. In 2031. Yep. That's a long time. We don't know what interest rates will do over that period You'll of time. be 60 by then. I will not. That is yeah. an inaccurate you're right. statement. You're, you're good at math. You got I will it. not be 60 <laughs> by that time. I will not be 50 by that time. Close. I will be close, close, but I will not. Yeah. Um, but that that's a long time yeah. to settle for 2%, 2%. When a company you mentioned, this isn't a, a recommendation to go buy this company, but Procter & Gamble makes Tide detergent, bounty paper towels, Old Spice deodorant, Toilet Pampers paper, paper diapers, towels, Charmin. Okay. Uh, they pay a 2.5% dividend. Right. But they also offer the potential for growth mm -hmm. on top of that. So not only is the dividend higher than what you'd get, but you would also have the opportunity to make more money on top of that. Now, that would not come without risk. Right. You take more risk to generate that better return, yeah. but that that gives you an idea that for 10 years, would I rather own a company who sells for grant in California toilet paper right. with that would go. pay me more income than a bond would with more potential to make money, or would I just want to lock myself into basically right. 2%? Now, for some clients, for some folks, that 2% bond, you may not want to own stocks. Yeah. And you may the, the stock market may give you anxiety. But for other clients willing to look at that, take an objective view, there are some better returns that, that could probably be generated yeah. and elsewhere. And with, with owning the common stock of a company like Procter & Gamble, you've also got 65-plus years of them right. increasing the dividend, yep. whereas bond interest is going to be fixed. So there's a reason why it's called fixed income. Right. And and so oftentimes companies such as such as those will provide you with a hedge against inflation because they do provide income. What's inflation? Inflation is the cost your the declining purchasing power over time of a dollar. Something that's worth a dollar today being worth a dollar two a uh, dollar and two cents next year. So your bills dollar, go up. Yeah, right. Your bills go Stuff up. Stuff gets every more year. expensive. Yeah. And and so um that common stock or companies that have demonstrated a history of increasing their dividend over a long period of time are often very appropriate investments for folks who are, are retired or looking for income because that is, in many cases, the only asset that will provide an increasing stream of money 
on a regular yep. basis. Social Security, okay, the cost of living raises there are basically nothing. Right. Pensions are fixed. Yep. Um, so bond interest is going to be fixed. Fixed income isn't going up. This is where you can find income that will increase over time. The opportunity for income to increase over time because the, the company doesn't have to. One, they don't have to pay dividends. They can cut them whenever they want. They also don't have to keep increasing them. But there, there's a name for them, what's called a dividend aristocrat. I think it's a company that has increased their dividend for 25 years in a row. Yes. And that's, in a sense, kind of a marketing tool. And there's where, a lot of them. Yeah, you got to come to like Procter & Gamble, who's increased their dividend for almost 65 years in a row. You think they want to stop that right. trend? Even if yeah. they increase no. it marginally. No, they, they want to keep it going so they don't break that and take that away as a marketing yeah. piece for for people. And there's a lot of names on those on those companies. Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, almost sixty years. Target, yep. uh, 3M, Emerson Electric. I mean, you you there are a ton of them. T. Rowe yeah. Price. Um, there are a ton of these names out there. Um, and and so those are often good ways to generate an increasing stream of income. Here's the problem with that: is that yields on stock investments are lower than they have been in a long time. And there's a couple right. of reasons for that. Well, one is typically this it is the stock market has risen in value. So a lot of these companies that are increasing their dividends are companies that are in good health. There has been continued demand for their stocks. Yep. And so whereas a company that paid a $4 dividend with a stock price of $100 a share has a Four percent yield. Good, good, good Thank math. You very little. Yes, um, that goes to you say two hundred. Two hundred dollars a share. Okay, but it's still paying the four dollars. Yep. Now that four percent yield is two percent. Right. And so, if you are now investing your money into a company that has a two percent dividend, you will net a lower return on what it is paying you each year. Which, if you're the shareholder, you shouldn't be upset about that. Because it means you made plenty of growth right. off of the right. uh, off of the share price there, and I think rising prices, in terms of the the value of stocks, is the number one contributor to uh, what we call dividend yields, the dividend rate, the income rate that the stocks are paying. I think that's the number one contributor because it doesn't mean these companies aren't increasing the dividends they're paying. It just means the price of their stock has been has been increasing consistently and nicely over and, time. And many of these companies have increased their dividends 8 to 10% a year. Right, yeah. But it's just not at the pace that w is able to keep up with the yeah. appreciation of their stock prices. The other thing that contributes to this, it's it's not as big of a catalyst, but it's there, is that uh, we, d we did a podcast on this previously, on stock splits. Companies don't do it nearly as much. Right. There was a time when nobody let their stock get over $100 a share. Sure. It'd get to $100, they do it two for one stock split. And now you'd have a stock price of $50 a share with more shares. Yep. That's not happening now. So companies don't have the need to do that. So their stock price is continuing to appreciate. Sure. So that's the situation. What do we do now? Does yeah. that rule no longer valid? So people are still getting ready to retire and having this thought, what are you telling? Folks? I don't believe that it's invalid. What I think is that, and, and this is something that is really important just for an investor, mm -hmm. which is you have to be able to adapt. If you constantly stick with the idea that for the past 
15 years, I've been able to get 3 or 4% on fixed income, and I'm only going to accept that going forward. The times have changed. If you are unwilling to adapt to the changing environment, your account will struggle as a result of that. And being able to adapt and accept change likely means the difference of having consistent returns over time or having a lot of money sitting on the sidelines in cash, not generating anything. Because last time I checked, 2% is still 200% better than zero. Doing the math in my head. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, I rem- there was a point uh, before we went, went back to school this year in, in late August. Liz and I sat the girls down who were five and seven. They're going back to school. It was hybrid school at the time, a couple days a week, and saying our word for this year is flexible. Mm-hmm. We know we will need to be flexible in just about everything that we do. Things will change. There will be challenges that are unexpected. And some will be good, some will be bad. Right. We have to be flexible and willing to adjust it. Easier said than done sometimes. Sure. But that is true in all walks of life, and it is true now because what what happens, and we've seen this play out, there are some folks that when you explain this to them, like, yep, okay, I get it. We have to change our expectations. We have to adjust the way we do things a little bit. Yep. And that tends to work out fine. Yeah. There are other cases where... Some folks are still, they, they, they have a really hard time getting past the fact that they can't get a 5% dividend on everything. Right. And what often happens then is that leads to either more risk being taken, seeking out investments that will still pay a higher return yep. or income over 5%, or it leads to portfolio actually struggling a lot more. Right. Because even though those are paying higher dividends, sometimes those investments are subject to greater loss yeah. in terms of the value of them. So we do have to be flexible. We have to adjust expectations. So what do we do? What's the, what's the plan here? Smart guy. Yeah, well, one, it's going to come down to the client. Everything comes down to your particular circumstances. But what we're looking at is get quality stuff, have a long-term view And seek a little bit more potential price appreciation and growth. Because if you have a portfolio that over a long-term time horizon averages 7 or 8% as your total return, which a couple minutes ago we talked about your total return is potential for growth and the income that you're getting. And you're taking out 4%, let's say you're averaging Mm 7%. You're taking out 4%, not only are you meeting your distributions on average, but your account balance is also continuing to tick higher on average each year. So not only are you helping to protect your principal, but you're also allowing that principal the opportunity to grow so it can continue to be there for you, but also continue to pay you more income down the road. Adapt. Yes. Another thing that we need to consider is that when we talk about income, income is very easy to map out over a period of time. And look and say, you have these companies, you have these bonds. Over the next 12 months, on a million-dollar investment portfolio, portfolio, you can expect that to provide you with $37,000 of income. That's a lot right now. It is. But we can look 3. at that. 3.7%. You can look at that and see. And where I'm going is the income is, very, is, is much more predictable. predictable. Yeah. So we can look at that and say, okay, if you withdraw $37,000, you'll be even. 
Right. Your investments won't, you know, they, they will be allowed, they will be able to stay where they are and you won't have to be concerned about drawing them down. Your principal will remain intact. Where we are right now is that, and I've had this conversation very recently with folks is, I'm not really comfortable investing to get 4% dividends and interest. Right. What we can target is a lower number, but still be fairly comfortable with the idea that Target, Home Depot, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, a bunch of good quality utility stocks, those are likely over time to provide you with a return of much greater than 4% a year. What we can't do is say you're going to get $37,000 of income over the next 12 months. Right. And so that, but we can look at these and say, all right, are these good companies? Are they, have they demonstrated their ability to increase their dividends? Have they demonstrated their ability to make it through periods of crisis and chaos? And are you comfortable with that? And yeah. and not every one of those investments is going to work. Right. Not everyone will. The majority of them likely will be just fine. And that's all you need. As long as the majority of them right. work, that'll be okay. Right. And so that's where we have to shift our expectations and the way that we do things. I know that I have had to adapt the way that I am approaching this mm-hmm. with folks. And, and yeah. that is because of the fact that times have changed. Right. We have had to change our strategy from what it was two and three years ago. Yep. There was a, a meme that our business partner, Victoria Flugel, had had uh, shown us one time, and it said, uh, the, the uh, pessimistic sailor out there says that the winds will never change. The optimistic sailor says that they hope that they will, the winds will change, but the leader will adapt and change the course. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to focus on. When times change... If you just hope that they go back to where they are, hope is not an investment strategy. You have to adapt. You have to evolve Mm -hmm. with the times because if you don't, you will be left behind. Yeah. And it's okay to communicate your concerns, your fears about this, things that might make you uneasy. What has then happened is then when we're able to have that conversation, when somebody says, I don't, this, this income's a little low, we can, we can have that conversation and show them how it works, and often they end up feeling much more comfortable right. with the plan. This is not anything wild and crazy. There is no. not a and this extreme level of risk within these if done appropriately. Yeah, and it's it's setting the expectations. Uh, the, the stocks will fluctuate more than bonds will. Right. But understanding why you're doing something, and it doesn't mean you just get rid of all of the bonds, but it's understand why something is being done, what the benefits to you are, what the drawbacks to you are, and why it may make sense for you today and down the road. Because, you know, one of these sayings that that drives me nuts, this is a pet peeve of mine, is, well, that's just how we've always done something. Mm -hmm. No. There's typically always an opportunity for something to be done better to be improved on. And just because you did it that way five, ten years ago right. doesn't mean you can do it successfully today. Times change. They do. We have to adjust with it. Right. Um, so we are recapping. Today we've, we've spent some time talking about the 4% withdrawal rule and if it still works. The verdict is we think it's somewhat outdated, 
but that we can. But it's not dead. It's not dead, and it's not gone. It's just we have to change the way we do it. Right. You have to change. I think you can still very, I think it's very, very reasonable. Absolutely. To still consider the, that percentage. Right. A valid withdrawal amount without putting yourself in any jeopardy of drawing your investments down. Yep. What's different is the way that we do it. And how you get there. And it will change because here's the thing. We've been saying this for almost a decade. Interest rates will go up at some point. Right. At some point they will. I don't know when that is. Yep. That could be another five years. Could be six months. It will. Bond yields will increase. And we will revert. We will adjust. You'll right. have to. So let's wrap it up here. Action items. I think we kind of already hit them, but let's restate them so that we end this on a, on an actionable note for someone who's been willing to stick with us this far. I think if uh, if you're an investor who's retired, uh, really stuck on the idea of fixed income and bonds being the majority of your portfolio, it's not that they're bad. It's just be open to some other options and opportunities that are there. The biggest action item probably may not be an action item, but it's just being open to change and being willing to adapt to changing circumstances. And be willing to address concerns or questions about the process early on so they can be addressed. Right. Because chances are, if you do that, they'll be addressed to your satisfaction and then you won't think about it anymore. You'll continue on with your life, which is really our goal with clients. Live your life. If we have a good enough understanding about your needs, goals, and expectations, you can do just that and be just fine. Yep. Okay. Well, I think we've hit it. I think we uh, we can bring this one home now. Uh, thanks for being with us. Coming up soon, Real Estate Month. We're almost into July. Hope you'll stick with us for that. Uh, we appreciate your time. This is Wade Into Wealth. Follow us on all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Wade Into Contact Wealth. Contact the Wade Group at Wade Group at brightonsecurities.com or find them on Facebook or Twitter at The Wade Group. Thanks for listening to Wade Into Wealth, brought to you by The Wade Group at Brighton Securities.